Hello, hello, beautiful people. Happy October 28th, or whenever you're listening. October 28th is the reading we're going to do today from our Body, Mind, and Spirit book. Welcome to the show if this is your first time. I am Bobby the Awesome, and we are here to chat a little about gambling addiction and whatever else shows up, because I'm a gambling addict in recovery and there's a lot of components to life. So we talk about whatever's happening because it's all relative. So our reading today starts off with a quote from Benjamin Franklin, a little neglect may breed great mischief. Some of us neglected our families during active addiction. Our pain was so great we had nothing left to offer others. We retreated in our own world, leaving our families wondering where we had gone. We may have neglected our families financially too, spending everything we had to feed our addiction. We may find it easy to fall into the same pattern again, neglecting our families as we pursue recovery. We must find balance between our own needs and the needs of our families. Our recovery must come first, but it should never be the only priority in our new lives. Financial stability is important, but we need to spend time with those we love. Asking our families how they feel and listening carefully to them can help us regain our balance. Talking to them openly can heal old wounds and misunderstandings. We don't do this until we are ready, but when we are, it is an important and loving part of our recovery and the recovery of our family. Today, help me recover my balance. Help me be compassionate towards the needs of my family. Isn't it crazy the impact that our gambling addiction can have on our family? I continue to learn how after many years now of not gambling, some of the impacts, you know, that it's had. And my case tends to be a little less because I don't want to say less. I didn't have the dynamic of kids and a spouse, right? So I won't pretend like I know what that looks like from personal experience. I can share with you different things that I've learned from watching other families, especially those with kids and spouses and stuff. I kind of chose the wimpy way out, quite honestly. I mean, I knew I was doing damage and essentially navigated myself into a divorce. But the end result was that I would be done, you know, stealing from my husband, both by not participating in the marriage with the finances, all of those things. So for me, it's it's a little different. As I watch some of my friends, one in particular comes to mind who has multiple children and watching his journey. I met him, he was about a year, a year ahead of me, I guess, in clean time is what I would say. And two of his biggest things that he always talked about was control and being present. And I can remember him sharing about a Christmas, and I don't know if it was year two or three or whatever, but I remember him talking about a Christmas and actually being there Christmas morning and knowing what the heck was going on. You know, like sitting there in the moment, savoring the joy of his kids, opening the presents, 
and just being fully in that experience. And control is just, control is one of the issues that he's always working on as a person. You know, it could be part of our personality, even if it is or isn't related to gambling. But that's one of his hot topics. And he's always talking about how wanting to control situations, both in life, his marriage, his kids, what that looks like and being really mindful of it and how it impacts his family. And it's interesting to watch him grow through that. And these are just, you know, two examples of a family dynamic and how it starts to change in recovery. I think the reading brings up an interesting point. We may find it easy to fall into the same pattern again, neglecting our families as we pursue recovery. There becomes this shift when we're in recovery. And I saw this even with a mother-daughter. I've seen it with you know parents and their kids. I've seen it with, I don't want to say regular families, but you know families with spouses and children is when we're in recovery and guys, there's it's okay. That initial, it's hard to put a time frame on it because it's different for everyone. Everybody's journey is unique. And I don't want to say, you know, go to meetings and, and do the recovery out of house, independent work, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say go hot and heavy the first year and then boom, you balance out recovery and you're cured and you can go have your life with your family. It's not like that. There's, there's some, simultaneousness? Is that a word? Not one I would try to spell, but all right, I'm going to explain in the context of, of one girl in mind. So she goes to meetings three times a week when she first quits and decides that she's going to stop gambling. And, and she goes and she goes and she goes. Fast forward two or three years into her recovery and now she goes to meetings once a week, once a month, whatever that looks like. Now, some of this has changed because of COVID, but even prior to that, I remember reaching out to her like, hey, are you coming to a Saturday group? And she's like, nope, I, I'm going to get my hair done. Okay. And her choosing to get her hair done over going to a meeting was actually a sign of her recovery and her balance because she was going to live, start living her life. She had a play date with her mom. That's where it ties in with the family. I'm sorry. So she had going to get her hair done and plans with her mom on this particular day. Now, as she was in a meeting and not spending time with her mom, you know, cause the, you know, there's regular work week. She was working Monday through Friday and she was making time for herself, which is self care piece. And then her mom, which is her family. So she was starting to figure out that balance after a long amount of time of doing three meetings a week. So it begins to shift. And like I said, the time frame is different for everyone. The first fella that I referred to with the Christmas morning, same thing. He used to be at just about every meeting I went to. And as his recovery grows, some of his focus and time has shifted back to the family and being taking the tools he learned in recovery, like being present, and mindful and, and trying to relinquish control in situations and all those things that he had learned along the way. He now is, if he's, you know, not a group or at a meeting, he's spending time and trying to put his recovery into practice in his life. 
And I think that that's really what I'm getting out of this this morning. I actually read this reading two or three times before jumping on and I was having a hard time wrapping my head around it at first because I don't have the kids in the regular traditional family. Our recovery must come first, but it should never be the only priority in our new lives. Financial stability is important, but we need to spend time with those we love. So for me, as someone who is very independent and I don't want to say isolated, although that's the word that just popped into my head, but I have to... Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. If he's listening, he's not going to like it, but too bad. A while back, my younger brother got a job and this might've been two years ago, three years ago. And he gets a job and the job's going to pay direct deposit and he needs a checking account. And he called to ask me for help. And my position was, now as, as a hard ass in recovery that I tend to be on some topics, I was like, well, call around and see what you can get for a checking account you know, open a checking account for a buck or 10 bucks or whatever. And I've been in business enough to know that you get a first paycheck because you don't have a bank account the first week. So he'd have his own money to open this account with. And what I had simply said to him was, I can't do this because it's not good for my recovery. Now, what that did was piss him off. That wasn't my intention, but I'm not going to put a Band-Aid on anyone in recovery when they have their own options. I'm going to push them to do the work and explore the options and do the thing. Not that I won't help, but there wasn't a need for me to help. He was capable of doing it on his own. It was then a choice of whether or not, what was the effort? Was it get money from me or do the work to open his own account? So fast forward a couple years later and he was looking for money again. And he throws it in my face, essentially, you know, oh yeah, I know I shouldn't ask you for this because it'll impact your recovery. You won't, you know, you won't help me the money. Like there's a dynamic there. Now I personally take it as manipulation. He doesn't, he's not on his journey or clear-minded enough at the time of this to recognize that when you take two people that are in or out of recovery or two addicts, and you throw money into the equation, it creates another whole level of not good things. It could be draining to our buckets. So I wasn't about to give him money. Well, first of all, because I don't believe in that. That's not how I lived my recovery. And that's not how I promote other people handling their recovery. Just, you know, getting handouts or bailouts. Like that's just. That's one of those things that just makes me crazy. But anyway, I lost my train of thought again. Wow, I'm so consistent about that. Oh, but I wasn't going to just have this situation where there's money. And now let's say he didn't pay me back when we agreed upon. Why should I add that extra stress and chase him down and have the arguments and blah, blah, blah? Like, why should I even do that? I'd much rather if if I felt that he really needed the money, like couldn't survive, I'd much rather give it to him than have him owe me just for, to protect my own recovery. And again, I don't believe in that part of it. So I'm not going to do that. So that's for me, that was like a recovery boundary. And you're going to have those too when dealing with your family. 
you may also feel the other side of this, especially when it comes to the money part. I see this a lot of time with men in our groups. And I don't mean to pick on the men, but it is where I see it. And when we're teaching people to relinquish their control of money and give it to their spouses, if that's an option, it becomes about things like pride or ego or whatever, because they don't want to give up the money. They want to feel like they could be not gambling and have money. Now, there's a school of thought that just having access to the money is basically like leaving a pinhole and giving the addiction an opportunity to sneak back in. I'm not sure that that's why or if it's just because we're so used to... For me, I was used to having access to the money and maybe it's a little bit of a control thing. And I'm thinking back 10 years ago, you know, when Davey and I were together, was it a control thing? For me, I wanted money so that access to the money and be the bill writer so that I can hide and prepare and sneak money for gambling. Like that was my main reason. And that was something we fought about a lot. Now, I don't have a a whole story about what my life with him would have looked like with me not gambling with this clear mind that I have today. I mean, when I communicate with him now, I think of, you know, like I want to post that he's doing well, but he doesn't have to deal with the whole, my new way of thinking. I don't have to worry about this balancing act that the reading talks about today. Asking families how they feel and listening carefully to them can help us regain our balance. Could you listen to anyone, like truly listen when you're actively gambling? I know I really wasn't. I wasn't mindful enough to know I wasn't listening. And half the time I thought I knew everything. So why would I bother? So this is important too, is take those tools and bring them back. And listening is one of those tools. I chatted with a mentee of mine, and she was telling me that she finally came clean to her mom. And she was really nervous about that. She anticipated consequences and stuff. And she's, you know, working on not gambling. I'm not sure that she's working on full-blown recovery yet because she's still, you know, learning and she's trying. And well, no, I don't think that's a fair statement. She is. She's working on trying to recover and maneuver not gambling. And she was telling me about this you know, telling her mom and and her fear. And she's pretty sure that her dad is a gambler as well. And so now the mom's had firsthand experience with both. And the response from her mom was much better than she ever anticipated. She was supportive and helpful and all those things. But if she never spoke up, which if she wasn't, you know, trying to fix the problem, she wouldn't have had this dialogue with her mom. And there's an ounce of bravery in that. And it comes from the healing and and doing the work and knowing that you have to be honest, which is hard. (laughs) It could be hard to be honest, but she did it and it was worth it to her. And now it's probably, and I don't know, we didn't have a follow-up conversation, but I don't think it's going to be an instant, like all is well in the world now that my mom knows. I think it's going to be work and it's going to take listening and it's going to take navigating the relationship. She has other family members that still gamble and that's not unique to her either. There's a lot of people that I know that have siblings or relatives that still gamble. And and in her case, her brother wanted her to go gamble with him. So that's another level of, you know, 
being in recovery and then trying to navigate people who still want to gamble who are used to it. Bill says, he's the boss from the, the center where I go. He says that the people outside of us get stuck in our story. So they only know us as gamblers. They don't know us as the people in recovery or people without the gambling addiction showing its head every day. So sometimes they don't know how to handle us. So keep that in mind. I've used analogy before of when someone's going through a divorce, like if a couple's going through a divorce, usually one partner knows before the other, you know, that the, the, the divorce is intimate or they've gone through their roller coaster of emotions, knowing whatever that reason is that they want to go and kind of healed from the relationship. But at that same time, they've come to terms with it and then they're letting their partner know well, then the partner has to start their journey. But the, the initiator has kind of already gone through their journey and mentally or emotionally are further along. It's the same thing when we're in recovery. So we know we've been gambling and hiding and lying and doing all the things for all the years or all the time, but our family doesn't because we've been lying. So then when the truth comes out, they're starting from ground zero with their emotions and their perception and we're already on our path. So it's important to be cognizant of that too. That's our little family reading for the day. Hope you guys have a happy, happy Wednesday. And I am working on driving home this week and going back to civilization. So I would like to know how that transition goes. Yeah, I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Talk to you soon.